Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today, we want to talk about if it is possible to find peace with endometriosis. A million-dollar question. So what do you think? Do you think it's possible to find peace with endometriosis? This is something that I've been pondering and thinking about and working towards for a really long time. And today we want to really delve into that topic about is finding peace with endometriosis possible? And if it is, how do we find it? And we're going to talk about this topic because we have some really, really super exciting news. Ah, it's so exciting. After almost two years of working on my book in whatever free time that I had, and then, of course, non-endometriosis flare time that I had, I have finally published my book. <gasps> so oh exciting. My, oh, my God. <laughs> we finally published my book. And the book is called Finding Peace with a Devastating Disease. Reflections on Endometriosis. Sounds so beautiful. I really like that you called out and used the word devastating when referring to the disease. There were other adjectives in my mind, like a disease that ravages your life, a disease that ruins your life, (laughs) a disease that destroys your life. So intense, but also accurate. (laughs) (laughs) But I really like the word devastating because it just really portrays how earth shattering and how serious and heavy endometriosis is. I, for one, hope that when people who don't have endo read the title, it makes them pause for a second and think about just how actually devastating this disease is. It's so funny because I did a survey on the title with a bunch of close friends of mine and then acquaintances who I know who read a lot. And so I had different people looking at the title to try to decide between the different titles that I had. And it is so funny because what you said, it's like, The couple of people that I asked who had endometriosis were like, oh, this is really validating to have devastating disease in the title. But then most of the rest of the people, especially the ones who are my acquaintances who don't know me very well and don't know like my DOS, my daily onslaught of symptoms, they gave me so much pushback on the title because they were like, really a devastating disease? Like, isn't that a little bit dramatic? Is endometriosis really that devastating? You try having it for one day. You tell me how dramatic it is. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see you drama, queen. (laughs) I remember saying to this guy who was giving me a lot of pushback, like, oh, really devastating. Are you sure you want to put that adjective in? I really don't think endometriosis is devastating. And I said to him, what do you know about endometriosis to start with? Also, excuse me? (laughs) You're telling me what my experience is? Whoa, 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 whoa. You can leave. <laughs> also, endometriosis is not like a paper cut on my thumb. If I was yeah, like, ew. finding peace. I don't with think a it's devastating, devastating. paper cut Ugh. on my thumb. I'd be like, well, maybe a little bit of perspective <laughs> here. 
But wow, what a way to explain your experience to you. Classy. (laughs) (laughs) So I just like went off on him and I was like, okay, let me ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Do you think that having such excruciating pain that you are terrified to eat, terrified to get your period, or terrified to have a bowel movement could classify a disease as devastating? Oh, well, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that not being able to have sex because it's so painful could be devastating to you, potentially your relationship and your connection with another person? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that infertility could be devastating? Well, maybe. (laughs) Do you think that being unable to work because your symptoms are so severe, do you think that could be devastating? Oh, well. uh... Do you think that being in relentless pain 24-7 is devastating? I guess it could be. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that not having access to the gold standard of care because we either don't know about excision because we just haven't learned about it yet, or we cannot afford excision, or we don't even have access to an excision specialist in our town or a country? So do you think that not even be able to access the gold standard of medical care that could potentially really make a difference in how we feel. Do you think that's devastating just to not being able to get the treatment that you need? Is that devastating? Oh, well, maybe you've changed my mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think endometriosis is the same as a paper cut? I mean, I have no personal experience with it and I've never had it, but because I am an authority on everything, I think it's not. But you may have changed my mind. <laughs> Thank you, random acquaintance who apparently thinks that adjective devastating is too dramatic (laughs) should not be in the title vetoed (laughs) we vetoed that it's not easy to find peace with a beast like endometriosis Ooh, the endo beast oh we should have made that your title scratch the (laughs) other one we're just gonna name it the endo beast oh i love it finding peace (laughs) with the endo beast oh it even rhymes i know the alliteration is beautiful it's It's gorgeous Oh, it's beautiful. I'll have to go back to that guy. I'd be like, what do you think of the endo beast? <laughs> like, um, well, in my limited experience that I think is too much, I don't think this disease is like a beast. What about beasts? They're beasts. <laughs> he has a lot of opinions. <laughs> what about the endo bunny rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> That's more what I think it is. Fluffy, small, and happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you got to find out. That's wrong. Well, I do love how much the title conveys to us just how much of the impact endometriosis has on a person's life. It's just upfront, in your face, this is what it is, a devastating disease, and we go from there. I like how much of an impact that word has because so many people associate endometriosis with just having really bad cramps or really bad periods, and that's not all endometriosis is, and that's not all of the effects that endometriosis has on a person. So I really like and feel drawn to how impactful that title is. Because endometriosis is devastating. It's absolutely 100% devastating. It ravages people's lives. There are millions of us. I mean, not listening, but there are millions of people. Well, our listenership <laughs> has been going up recently. So, so maybe perhaps there's millions. by the time you're listening, there are millions <laughs> listening. You're the millionth listener. Oh, beautiful. But for all of the millions of people with endometriosis, it's devastating to not be taken seriously by your doctors. It's devastating to not be taken seriously by your family. It's devastating to have all the symptoms and the pain and the isolation and the loneliness. That is all devastating. 
And I think it's really unique also for having a book like this to be a conversation starter. I can just imagine reading the book and an acquaintance or a coworker, or a friend asking you what you're reading. <laughs> you're reading it like on the beach with a mojito <laughs> at some resort and they're like, oh, oh what are, what are you reading? reading? Is it a, like a thriller, a mystery? Finding Peace of the Devastating Disease. It's a horror book, actually. <laughs> Genre? Horror. Yes. <laughs> But I think it's a really unique thing to be able to open up a conversation there, and we shouldn't be ashamed of saying what we're reading and saying, well, this is the book that I'm reading, and seeing the look on the other person's face may be a great way to start a conversation about your experience, because I know that it's really hard to tell people how much something like endometriosis has impacted you when we know and have talked about all of the stigma. I think it's a really unique opportunity to open some of those conversations that we might have been wanting to have for a while. Well, and at the beginning of the book, in the preface of the book, I do have a short couple of pages on what is endometriosis, and it doesn't go into great detail, but it is for the reader who picks up the book and is unfamiliar with endometriosis. And so it does outline like a huge list of symptoms and things that can happen in the body, like organs fusing together and inflammation and upregulation of the central nervous system and the way that we feel pain. And so the hope is that anyone even if someone without endometriosis, because in the end, finding peace with endometriosis, these same concepts could be applied to finding peace with any chronic illness. And so if a reader has a different illness or maybe no illness at all, but they're interested in the process of finding peace, at least I think they can have a general outline of what endometriosis is. I should have just won my that guy looking at the title was like, is it really devastating? I'd be like, read here's this. the preface of the book. <laughs> read this and get back to me. Okay, thank you. And I also think it's a really effective tool if you want to co-read with somebody who's important to you in your life and having them have an explanation that's less about feeling and more about factual what endometriosis is. It can be a really nice introduction to co-reading the book or participating in the book together to connect and work towards a shared understanding together. So it's another really nice perk that's in there. Thank you, Brittany. So basically, I chose the perfect title. You, it's beautiful. Maybe not, but it was a lot of work. But I think really, we did really good. hard work. So <laughs> I feel pleased with the title. I think one of the first really important questions to ask ourselves is what exactly does finding peace with endometriosis or finding peace with anything, what does that even mean? And so for me, finding peace is really wrapped up in acceptance. And so then the question becomes, well, what is acceptance? Because I think we all know like, oh, acceptance, but how do we describe or like put into words what it means to accept something? And so I think for me, acceptance is being okay with things exactly how they are. So I hear that. And I just want to play a little bit of contrarian. <laughs> Go do it. Go be the, my acquaintance who is like, okay. is endometriosis devastating? Isn't it like a paper cut, but just like in your uterus? Why are you I mean, so that would be horrible also. Seriously. Paper cut in your Paper cuts hurt. <laughs> they really do. Why do they hurt so badly? Like in your, can you imagine? Oof, no, thank you. A paper cut hurts more than slicing your thumb with a knife. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> why is it so bad? <laughs> So to play your contrarian friend with no experience in the disease, let me ask. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think even if you have the disease, it's like can feel very shocking to hear. Yeah, to think about accepting these horrible things that I experience daily, weekly, monthly. I mean, 
I have to be okay with having stabbing vagina pains. I have to be okay with every bowel movement I have feeling like it's ripping out of my body while I screech because it hurts so much. I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with the fact that any intimate moments or sex with a partner is off the table because it hurts so badly with penetration or it feels like being impaled with 30 knives after an orgasm. I have to be okay with that experience. I have to be okay with the monthly pain that rips my soul apart. I just have to be okay with that. How do I be okay with something like that? I agree. I mean, I had the same questions and the same doubts. And for me, I had so much anger towards the idea of accepting endometriosis because I was like, no, I'm not okay with this. I don't want this. I don't like this. And I'm not okay. I'm not going to be okay with this ever. But at some point, I for myself started to realize that all of these painful moments are a part of my life. They are making up my life. And that's how my life is right now. For many years before excision, that was my life. <laughs> Excruciating pain during bowel movements, during sex, during my period, after I ate a food that didn't agree with me. And although I wasn't okay with it, I began to realize that I wanted to be neutral about it. Like, I didn't want to live anymore from such a place of anger or from this deep soul sadness that I had had for years. I bet you were spending a lot of energy being angry and upset and broken about it. You can't change it. These are parts of our lives, and we're spending so much energy feeling so angry, deservedly, and so sad, also deservedly, about it. Well, I think the way that I felt and the way that so many of us feel, I think they're natural reactions to the situation. Like, we have a right to be so infuriated because it feels so unjust, and it is unjust. And we have a right to grieve because we've lost parts of our lives and we've lost parts of our identity. And so all of these reactions and feelings, they make sense. At one point, I realized that these states that I was living from, the anger and, and the sadness, all it was doing was increasing my suffering. I was living from anger and sadness for over a decade. And where did that get me? Like looking back, it, it really it didn't get me anywhere. I didn't feel like I had joy in my life. I didn't feel like I had meaning. I didn't have gratitude for anything. All I had was anger and hatred and jealousy towards the people, like towards my friends, like envy that their health was going well and mine wasn't. I had so much fear. I was afraid of eating. I was afraid of having sex. I was so bitter. I was so resentful. And at some point, I just understood that finding peace with my life as it is was going to allow me to open the door to have joy, to have gratitude, to have meaning, even though that pain was still going to be there. All of that pain, if you find peace, you don't find peace, that's still going to be there. So could I open my heart to the circumstances as they are? Could I stop fighting against my endometriosis? Could I stop resisting the way that my life had become? Could I stop needing everything to go back, go back to the way it was? It had already been a decade and I was still wishing every day that things would just go back to normal. 
a normal that I hadn't had in 10 years. Like this was my new normal. So could I stop needing to quote unquote go back in order to have peace? I think one of the unique things about peace, at least to me, that I associate with peace is that there's healing to be found. And when I say healing, I don't mean the endo because obviously endo has no cure. So I don't mean that we can heal our endo with something like this. But there's so many emotional wounds and spiritual wounds and mental wounds that are left from endometriosis. Everything that we go through from the effect of other people to the effect of the actual disease on us. And I think trying to search for acceptance or neutrality or peace or however we want to frame that is a way that we can heal those non-physical wounds. There's so many traumas that people experience with endometriosis, actual traumas that leave such marks on us. And we either carry those around with us in anger, which justifiable, or we can carry those around with more of a sense of neutrality of they just are. They just are part of our story. And I think that when we can allow that to be part of our narrative instead of fighting against it, at least in my experience, it just brings me a little bit more calm. It brings me a little bit more open to loving that part of myself rather than pushing against it and trying to cast it apart from me, cast it out from me. There's so many things with this disease that justifiably make us hate them. We hate eating. We hate our periods. We hate sex in some aspects. We hate bowel movements. We hate going to the bathroom. There's so many things that we feel so much hatred towards because they don't serve us the way that they serve others. And it makes sense that those feelings are there because they're valid. And those feelings are something that are shared by so many of us in the community. But I think the shift isn't to being happy about them. We can't be happy about those things. But it's more of a shift from having compassion for ourselves that those things happen to us and saying, I can't fight against it. I can't make any of those things less serious, less devastating. But I can just let them be rather than also spending time dealing with my pain and hating my pain. I think it's so much more exhausting to fight against the inevitable than it is to say this is just part of what it is and we, we are neutral, we are calm, and maybe eventually we have peace. For me, that shift to neutrality, that shift towards acceptance helped me to feel more whole because like Brittany said, I was no longer pushing and fighting against the parts of me that I hated. Like I was no longer hating my body and saying F you to my body. I was saying like, Thank you, body, for carrying me all these years. Thank you for being there for me. That compassion of I'm hurting, my body's hurting. Life is hard. It is really, really difficult. And having this feeling of being connected to my body, being connected to the world, I just, for me, finding peace is helping me to feel more whole. And it's helping me live from a place of love which can sound corny, I think, but like a place of self-love instead of self-loathing, a place of self-compassion instead of self-criticism. It takes time to find acceptance, to find peace. And so what we're talking about here, it's not easy. They're not overnight mindset changes that you just wake up and you 
suddenly feel neutral towards all of the really ravaging aspects of this disease. We wish, but it's not <laughs> God, reality. It's so great. You just like open the book and magic happens. The book is magic. You just open the book. Like, wow, and then everything is better. <laughs> I think acceptance is it's a process. It's a practice and a process, and it happens over time. And something else I wanted to just say about neutrality, and I think it's kind of obvious from the word neutrality, but I do want to state it because I think it's important, is that when we say being neutral with endometriosis, it doesn't mean the converse of hate, which is happy with it. It doesn't mean being happy that you have symptoms or supporting symptoms or loving that you have them or wanting to have them. Neutrality is just that. It is neutral. So it is neither hate nor love. Along with being more neutral or even moving into the acceptance, that doesn't mean that just because I've accepted my symptoms or my situation means that I've given up on it. It doesn't mean that I'm just now full of resignation only and I don't have any aspiration or goals to move towards. Acceptance doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to change or improve whatever I can. Acceptance isn't stagnant. It doesn't have to be. Definitely. And I think that is a huge misconception about what acceptance is, is that, oh, okay, well, I accept my disease, so I'm not going to try to go get treatment. I'm not going to try to make changes to feel better. And that is not what acceptance is at all. Acceptance and taking action to improve your situation, they go hand in hand. Because if it is in our power to change something, let's change it, right? I mean, I've been trying to accept endometriosis these past several years at the same time that I'm following the anti-inflammatory diet to reduce my inflammation, to reduce my flares, that I'm maintaining healthy lifestyle habits that I'm managing my stress, that I'm getting enough sleep, that I'm doing yoga, that I'm doing all these practices that I know help me to feel better while at the same time trying to accept my endometriosis. And so acceptance doesn't mean saying like, okay, well, I shrug my shoulders and I throw my hands up and I accept it. And so I guess I just have to live like it is. We do have to live like it is because that is our, that's our life. But we don't have to settle. We can say, can I change this? Yes, then, oh my God, I'm going to change this. And when we say, can I change this? And I hope so. And we try to change it, but it doesn't change. That's when acceptance is really important because we haven't been able to change the situation. I remember that I was trying to improve my period pain with taking fish oil and turmeric and things that other people had had a lot of success in reducing their period pain because it helps reduce inflammation. And I was excited about it and I was really hoping that it would help me. But in the end, taking supplements did not help with my period. And so that is a moment when we can say, okay, I accept the outcome of this situation. I've tried to change it in this manner. It did not change. And so I accept that it did not change. And that's okay. I can be okay with the fact that the fish oil didn't lower my excruciating cramps. That's not what I wanted. I wanted the fish oil to help with my cramps because 
At that time, I could no longer take naproxen or NSAIDs or the painkillers because I was having gastritis. And so I couldn't take my painkillers. So I was desperate. I mean, I was so desperate to find something that would even reduce my period cramps just a little, just a smidge. And nothing, nothing that I tried was reducing it. So it didn't mean that I stopped trying to look for answers. I was looking for answers. But at the same time, I was living from a place of acceptance and saying, okay, this is not what I want. Like, I don't want to be able to not take naproxen. And I don't, I want my fish oil or my turmeric or my XYZ supplement or diet change to make a difference, but it's not. And so having, like Brittany said, that feeling of neutrality, understanding, okay, this is not working, but I'm not going to be so attached to that outcome. I'm going to make an effort, but I'm not going to be attached to the actual way that it turns out. I have to accept whatever way it turns out. And for me, I think that was really freeing to say, well, I have endometriosis. I have this pain. This pain is what it is. It is awful. It is absolutely awful. But it is what it is, and it is my life. And I can hold space in my heart for the way that my life is. I can hold that self-compassion for myself. And I can allow it to be. I like what you said before about acceptance being a practice and something that you have to work at constantly. And I agree with that. I think it's an ongoing practice. It's a process that we're going to have to work through and work towards. And it's going to unfold in front of us and evolve with us and change us and change with us. It's a mindset that we can live from, learn from and actively take steps towards and then take steps while we're there. But it is a long, ongoing, never-ending process. I think we get better and better the more we practice. I know that's true for something like practicing gratitude. The more I did it, the easier and better it got, but it never got so simple that I didn't have to keep practicing. At the beginning, I'm sure we're going to suck at it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, both at the gratitude practice and at the acceptance (laughs) practice. I mean, I really, I had such a hard time with acceptance at the beginning. One, because I was just really convinced that acceptance was not possible for me. And so I was already fighting against the idea of accepting endometriosis or any aspect of my pain. But I know, I can tell you that a decade ago, my default was getting angry and feeling sorry for myself and complaining and wishing things were different, being in denial, pretending, hoping, wishing, bargaining, oh, please let things go back to normal. Please, one day, I just want to have my old life back without endometriosis. And I used to judge myself for my skills of the past, (laughs) you know, my skill at getting angry and my skill at feeling sorry for myself and being a victim. But I don't judge myself now because it's not helpful. And it's also, I understand those feelings are valid. They're very, very valid when we are thrown. We're just suddenly catapulted in this brand new world, this unfamiliar, unwanted world of devastation, of being in pain all the time, of having all the symptoms. It's really hard. It's so hard to adjust to that. And I know I didn't know how to feel differently. That is what I knew how to feel, angry and sad 
and in denial. That's what was familiar to me. And that's valid. And that is okay. But staying there doesn't help me in the long run. It didn't help me in the long run of a whole decade that I was there. It didn't help me. It only made me feel miserable. It only made me hate my life. And so learning to shift the way I feel, learning that it was even possible that I could feel a different way. Wow. I mean, that can open up. That did open up such freedom in the way that I feel. That did open up the chance for my life, for me to feel lighter, to feel happier, to feel more whole, to heal all those old hurts. And that's so powerful and that is so freeing. Because in the end, I think for me, I finally had to realize my old life is not coming back. This is my life now. And how do I want to move forward? Do I want to move forward in the same way that I've been moving for this past decade? Or do I want to open to possibility and say something else is possible for me? (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to achieve it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know what. But there has to be something more than living from sadness and bitterness and resentment. Maybe right now you're thinking, that's nice and all, but there's no way in hell I'm accepting it. That's not going to happen for me. Not possible. I don't know what you two are talking about. Not ever going to happen. And that's okay. Honestly, that's okay to be there. Right now, you can't accept endo. So instead, accept that you can't accept it. Haha, <laughs> got you anyway. You accepted something. <laughs> oh, you're so bad, Brittany. Oh, accept that you're not acceptance. Okay. <laughs> but it is okay to be there. Amy, like she said, was there for 10 years. I mean, I'm estimating it was probably longer, but I just, (laughs) at least 10 years. (laughs) 10 plus years. It's okay to be in that space right now. With a disease that destroys your life, it's perfectly valid to not want to be okay with it. And we get that. So, Brittany, what would that look like if I cannot accept my endometriosis, but you're telling me to accept my non-acceptance? What does it look like to accept the fact that I cannot accept? The acceptance. The acceptance, yeah. (laughs) What does it look like to accept the non-accept of the acceptance? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) And now I'm confused. (laughs) It looks like Amy's confused with a migraine laying on the couch. That's all right. (laughs) With a warm cloth over her forehead and saying, this topic is really really intense. I can't take it. We feel like that's okay. Me it's too. Okay. We get it. Take We're a breath. Pause us. <laughs> take a breather. Can, take a walk. Can I pause me and Brittany? No. <laughs> no can choice I, there. Can I like live pause Brittany? Would that be so cool? I just like paused her and went pee and came back. If I could do that, oh, <laughs> you know, Amy would be so much quieter. <laughs> I kid, I kid. But yes, good question. To accept that the possibility of acceptance is not possible right now looks like not being disappointed in yourself that you're not there yet. Don't be in this moment disappointed or shaming yourself or angry or judging yourself that you're not able to accept endometriosis right now. That's what it looks like. Wait, so you mean it looks like me not accusing myself of being a failure and not being like, Amy, I can't believe you cannot accept endometriosis like other Amy on the podcast could. And so I just, you're a stupid loser. You're a failure. 
You're an idiot. Does it look like that? Wow, the self-critic got a little wild there. <laughs> yeah. You know my self-critic <laughs> I loves. Do. Oh, my God. If I could pause Amy's self-critic, yeah, if, that would if be If Amy amazing. could pause Amy's self-critic, <laughs> that would also be amazing. Yes, but that is what it looks like. Don't let that self-critic run wild. That narrative that we tell ourselves in our head does not serve us. And similar to the narrative we're talking about surrounding accepting endometriosis, that also means accepting what you cannot accept. The same feeling of letting go of the shame and the guilt and the judgment and the anger, that's also what we mean here. So accept where you are. Be okay with where you are. Tell yourself that it's okay to be in a place that you can't accept endometriosis. It's already such a big step to accept that. And acceptance may come later. It may be two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. But we don't need to have such anger towards ourselves. And that's such a big step in the journey of acceptance anyway. So you mean when my self-critic judges me and accuses me of being a failure, I should stand strong and confident in the face? Does my self-critic have a face? I'm sure it does. In the... (laughs) (laughs) in front of the entity of my mind, of my self-critic. And I should say, it is okay that I'm in a place where I cannot accept endometriosis. And that's okay. So shut up, self-critic. You shut the... (laughs) (laughs) If this weren't a clean podcast, you'd know what we'd say. (laughs) up, okay? You shut it. Sip it. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm in charge here and I'm saying I am at a place I cannot accept endometriosis and that is okay. And then I'm going to go have a party. Yeah, I'm going to invite all my friends and be like, yeah, let's all celebrate that we cannot accept endometriosis. Is that what That's a, a bit like? extreme, but um, I think you're on the right path. <laughs> I love streamers. I love balloons. Wow. I love those honky thingies. Those where you blow on them, they're like horns, like <laughs> <laughs> confetti. No, probably not confetti. But wow, this sounds like a really good party. I'll have a cake that I cannot eat, and I'll be like, <laughs> I cannot eat that cake, and I accept that. And I'm angry at it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I accept exactly. my cake See, in look, the shape of an eye. You're accepting things anyway, and you didn't even notice. <laughs> I think one of the most important aspects of acceptance with endometriosis is staying open to the possibility of acceptance. If you're not there now, that you can accept endo, cool. Like Brittany said, that is okay. Throw the party. Look at your beautiful balloons that say, I don't accept endo. <laughs> <laughs> but don't rule out acceptance forever because things can change. And like Brittany said, it could be two years, 10 years down the line. But situations change and we change as people. And so if you are thinking no, No way I cannot accept endometriosis. What if you change your no way to not now? Okay, not now. I cannot accept endometriosis. But perhaps one day in the future. And just plant that little seed of possibility in your heart. And that is something that I really want the book to convey is it's okay if we cannot find peace right now. If you're on the path to finding peace, then hopefully the book can help you along that path. But if finding peace is much farther out for you on the horizon, it's much farther in the distance, then maybe this podcast today, maybe my book, it can just plant that seed of possibility 
that one day acceptance could be possible. Okay, so I'm considering it. I'm considering the acceptance. Where the heck do I start? How do I even start to accept what my situation is? How, where I'm so lost with how I'm supposed to start accepting something this devastating? Where do we begin? Well, I think we can just start really small. We can start with one practice that we commit to daily just for a few minutes. Because here's the thing, like, how are we going to change how we feel if we don't make changes in our life, right? Like, if everything stays the same, chances are we're going to stay the same. And so, therefore, if we stay the same, then the way that we feel stays the same. And so I think for many people, it's important that if we want to feel differently, we have to do something differently. Okay, but then what do I start with? Where? How? What do I? Tell me what to do first. I need to know. So there's no like direct same path for everyone. But I think there is building blocks. There's like these practices that can really be a foundation for finding peace. And most of them we've heard of. And so things like mindfulness, meditation, finding gratitude, doing yoga, journaling, speaking to a mental health professional, finding meaning, changing our self-talk. All of those things can be the groundwork for finding acceptance. And so the path of acceptance is different for everyone. Maybe for me, I am in a place in my life where I need mindfulness because maybe I'm, you know, not in the moment. I'm rushing everywhere and my mind is all over the place. It's in the past. It's in the future. And maybe for me, practicing mindfulness and building that practice into my life so that I can learn how to focus on the moment that I'm in and slow my life down. And by focusing on the present moment, I can start to see moments when I'm not in pain. The rare, the rare. Few and far between, yeah, but the, they're there. The rare needle in the haystack. <laughs> the rare spotting of the white tiger in the jungle. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but where we can start and what we want to start with is different for all of us. All of this makes me kind of realize that I started on the path without ever knowing that I was. And that's kind of interesting to me. I've had experiences where I've realized that I need to do something to not stay in the place where I am. And as somebody with generalized anxiety disorder, that spiral is so consuming. I started practicing mindfulness so long ago without even knowing what it was. But I realized that that wasn't enough for what I needed. And so I started searching for something more, something else, something in addition to practicing that. And for me, that was first learning how to ground myself and how to feel my whole body and not allow my brain to tell me what I'm feeling and actually be with myself. And for me, that was starting to practice yoga. I don't just mean yoga for exercise, which is great for that purpose. I mean yoga for the actual practice of learning to be with my body and find that inner calm inside. That chaos spiral is so out of control and it's so hard to even just breathe through it sometimes. And yoga was a really great way for me to learn how to ground myself and how to be with myself and not just allow things to happen to me, but rather experience them through my whole body in a way in which I was conscious. And that was a really big step for me. 
for me, one of the practices that has really helped me move towards acceptance has been meditation. And as we know, science is showing that meditation has so many benefits. But some of the personal benefits that it's had for me has been really helpful with, you know, as I've say so many times, like, I've had such negative self-talk and my self-critic in my mind is so overpowering. Oh, my self-critic loves to tell me what a failure I am and how stupid I am and how I'm a burden and how I'm undeserving and how I'm unlovable. And I believed those stories, those lies my mind told myself. I believed them for almost all of my life. For like 25 years, I was walking around thinking that I was this unlovable burden. And with meditation, I've learned how to take a step back from what my mind says and to observe my thoughts. And so just let my thoughts come and just not identify and not be so wrapped up in them. Like when I say to myself, I'm a burden, I no longer believe that it's true. I'm able to look at the idea of I'm a burden and say, okay, why do I think that I'm a burden? Where did these feelings come from? When did I start to believe this about myself? Is this really the truth? So for me, meditation has been so, so powerful to begin to separate who I am from the lies and the stories that my mind tells me and to construct a new narrative that is actually true about myself. As I've been practicing my mindfulness and my yoga for quite some time now, I realized something else about me (laughs) is that I often ascribe value to the wrong places. (laughs) (laughs) Amy's laughing because she knows. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Brittany does. I'm a little bit of a workaholic. Oh, my God. (laughs) So Amy has brought this to my attention. (laughs) Brittany's value is in being perfect. No one's perfect. Nobody Life is perfect. Life is imperfect. Except me. Messy. I mean, <laughs> Just like the journey of acceptance. Yes. <laughs> but I've really taken the last year or so to, to notice that and not just say, okay, that I'm not putting value in the right places, but to actually recognize that within myself. And I think so many people in our society put value in being busy and all the things we do and how much work we get done and if we're the best at this project and if we outshine all the rest and If we can get all these things done and have all of our kids do all these activities and all my spouse is good at this and I have the best home and the best everything, it's all about how much we're doing and how much we have. And all of that brings us no actual personal joy because it's so fleeting. Being the best at the project is great for the two seconds while I'm being complimented about it, but then everybody forgets. So I'm left feeling empty after that. And it's so competitive and it's so impossible to achieve. Mm -hmm. And if you're not the best and you didn't do the best job, then you're so riddled with guilt and shame. That that pedestal of perfection is not possible. That's where you got to just be like me and live in your bathroom all day and be like, (laughs) man, I just want to get a B plus at life, not an A. (laughs) Well, something my mom actually used to say to me and, you know, still resonates with me is, Not everything has to be A+. Not everything has to be 100 out of 100. 
you can still do an 80 and it's just as good. It's good enough. And that's, that's something a life, that's a life philosophy that <laughs> yes. I subscribe to. <laughs> it's something I'm trying to learn because I've noticed that while I've found joy in being good at work things in particular or having many activities or this or that, I have found joy in them. But the joy, like I said, has been fleeting and it hasn't brought me lasting joy and it hasn't made lasting impact in the way that I want it to. And so instead, I've learned to find meaning in things more like relationships and the way that I connect with people, the way I love my spouse, the way I love my friends, the way I spend time loving myself by drawing or doing a craft or taking my dog for a walk. The value is now in those things that nobody can really take from me and that aren't dependent on others. If my boss gives me one negative compliment, and all of my value is in how my boss thinks of me. My world is shattered. <laughs> but if my value is in how I treat my boss, then that doesn't shatter the meaning that I found in that relationship. And so that's something that I'm really working towards is trying to find meaning in things that nobody can really take from me and things that I affect, things that I put out into the world. And that's a really slow practice because I am a recovering perfectionist and I am a recovering workaholic and it's something slowly but surely I'm working on and even just the practice of that has brought me so much meaning because I know that at the end I'll have a very different perspective. Well you're doing a good job and you've changed a lot. In Brittany you. and I have known each other for five years and we've worked together. Almost six years. So we have been on each other's professional development work journey. <laughs> For a long time. What a journey to be on, my Lord. <laughs> but I remember Brittany and I having conversations five years ago where I would talk to Brittany. Like we would talk about work and our aspirations and our goals and the way that Brittany talks about work now and the meaning that work has. And of course, it's so wonderful that we find value in our work. I think that's important to like what we do and to try to do a good job at everything that we do. Like I know I said I'm a B plus student, but I do try to do my best at everything that I do. I just don't try to kill myself to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. And so Brittany was not like that. Brittany would have a beautiful product, a B plus product, and then she would kill herself and work overtime and stress herself out to just make it the best of the best. And it's, does it really need to be the best of the best? Is, Oftentimes, no. Yeah. And so the way that Brittany talks about work now is so much different than the way that she talked about work so many years ago. And so many years ago, when I when we were developing our friendship and I was saying very gently to her, like, Brittany, it doesn't have to be an A+. Plus. In Brittany's mind, it did have to be an yeah, A+. Plus. I couldn't it hear had that. To be an I a plus. Couldn't, there was no other option for me. It was A plus or failing. I couldn't hear that it could be anything less than perfect. I was not in a space where I could embrace or even understand what you were saying to me at that time. <laughs> it was like I was speaking monkey garble. <laughs> like not <laughs> like even. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Brittany, your project is already the best of all the best. Like. You sort of the best project it. in the group. Nope, it and, can be better. And Brittany just hears blah, 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 yep. blah. <laughs> it was like, like the Charlie Brown voice. Wah, 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 wah. I didn't understand anything you were saying. Brittany's like, I'm not going to be a failure like you. Yeah, oh come on. my God, you're worse than my self-critic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never did that. <laughs> but I can even see for myself where I was not in the space to even consider that that was an option. 
And my stress was so through the roof. I was so sick because of how much I was stressing myself out unnecessarily. And here's the thing is that only I was hurting from that. My product wasn't that much better. My boss wasn't that much happier. (laughs) No, there's no better. The customers weren't that much happier. Yeah, it was the same. But it was me. I was harming myself by doing that. And now I've learned that I don't have to and my value doesn't have to be in how productive I am and how good I am, how smart I am, how everybody knows that I'm the best in the room. It's not because I have an ego. It was because I thought that if I wasn't the best, then I was nothing. And I've learned that that's not true. Nestle in my bosom, my my small A cup bosom. (laughs) We can't all be blessed. It's okay. (laughs) But I've learned that being the best doesn't bring anything to me. It doesn't. Being happy and treating people well and loving people and fostering happiness in others, that brings me joy. And so learning that not being the best did not equal failure. There was no competition. It was a competition in my own mind. And so going from thinking I could never, ever, ever not be who I was to how I approach things now is something that I didn't ever even conceive of being possible. So when I say change can happen, I mean it because I see it in myself. So Brittany and I just named some practices that have really been helpful for us. But there are all kinds of practices like we named before that can really be a foundation to shifting your mindset, to finding neutrality, to thinking about yourself, your endometriosis, your body, your life in a different way. And so Thank you for the power of the internet. If you go online, there are so many articles and advice and mindset exercises. There's so much information about gratitude and mindfulness. And there's different types of meditation. There's different types of yoga. There's qigong. There's so much variety to what you can do to try to work towards acceptance. I think also just being open-minded and trying things out. It can take a while to figure out what you like. And of course, we have to stick to something and do it for a while, like maybe for a month, a couple of months to really see the benefits. The longer we do something, the more benefits that we see. And I think the really good thing is that we don't need to do, like we don't need to meditate all day long or do yoga for three hours a day. These practices, just the habit of having these practices is so powerful. Just a few minutes a day is enough time to begin seeing these changes in yourself. It can seem really insignificant to say, okay, well, every night before I go to bed, I'll just name three things I'm grateful for. That is such a little act that can be really hard to do. It can be really hard to find those things that you're grateful for when your whole world around you is a painful, chaotic mess. But it can be so powerful to do something like that every single day. Because when we start doing these practices, they can put you in an upward spiral. So we always hear about a downward spiral, like we're in a downward spiral all the time, but we can get in an upward spiral where these practices become building blocks for acceptance. They can have a positive impact on our life. We can see benefits from them, and those benefits can motivate us to keep practicing them, and then we keep practicing them, and then we keep having benefits. In my experience, 
acceptance and finding peace are not things that just happen to us. I think that we have to pursue acceptance. We have to go after finding peace. We have to actively take steps towards feeling different. And sometimes just starting can be the hardest part. Okay, Amy, so I have a question for you. Have you found peace with endometriosis? Well, you're going to love my answer because the answer is yes and no. (laughs) Typical. (laughs) Which I think is a very appropriate answer. So I think that finding peace, as in like, quote unquote, finding, searching for, looking for peace is a great way to frame it rather than like, I've found peace, as in, I found it, I have it, I'm there, it's my end game, I'm at the top of the mountain. So should the question instead be, Amy, are you finding peace? Yes, I am finding peace. And I think, quote unquote, finding peace, so finding acceptance, as we said, it's ongoing, it's a process, it's a skill that we continue to get better at the more that we practice it. What I've seen for myself is that finding peace has become a mindset that I can live from. Before I was living from the mindset of I'm a victim or I'm so angry about everything that happened to me. But now I'm living from this mindset of I want peace, I'm searching for peace. And so when things happen, I can process what happens. I can process my emotions and I can adjust to what happened. I can adjust to my circumstances. I think it's so incredible to be finding peace after years of not looking for peace and being perfectly comfortable in my bitterness and in my deep sadness. And, you know, on this process of finding peace, of course, of course, on some days I'm angry and of course I'm sad and of course I'm frustrated. But the difference is now I'm only visiting those feelings and I'm not residing and living from those feelings anymore. I think that finding peace, as in finding, searching, looking for peace, is so helpful. There might be things that we can never fully find peace with, but the act of looking for it and working towards it, that changes us. That can help us heal emotionally and spiritually. That can help us find joy and meaning and happiness in our lives when previously there was none. That can help us grow and let go and forgive. That can help us live from a place of wholeness and a place of love. We may never find full peace with certain situations, but in this quote-unquote finding peace, we can turn down the volume of how much something hurts us emotionally. Something that I've really worked towards is finding peace with my dietary situation. It used to really hurt me and anger me and make me sad that so many foods made me sick, that I couldn't partake in not even just one bite of my mom's chocolate peanut butter cookies or cheese. Oh, the blessed cheese. (laughs) Cheese. I love cheese, dairy, (laughs) yogurt, sour cream. 
Cottage oh, sour cheese. cream. Oh, God. Don't talk to me, Brittany. You still eat cheese. I'm so sorry. Not as much as I used <laughs> Now my body doesn't like it either. She's rubbing off on me. <laughs> Every time I eat it, my stomach's like, ah, 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 not today. You're going to be on the toilet for three hours. <laughs> the things we live with. <laughs> but it used to really, really hurt me to not be able to participate in the holiday dinners with my family and to have my own special food and to not be able to order anything when I went out to restaurants. And it hurt me. It deeply made me feel deprived and left out and restricted. But now I've really worked towards finding peace with this situation. And I have found peace. I don't have any of those feelings that I had anymore. When I'm in a holiday dinner with my family, I don't feel sad. I don't feel deprived. When my friend offers me a peanut butter cookie, I just say, no, thank you. And I have no feelings towards it anymore. And wow, it is so freeing and empowering to have peace with that situation. But then there are other things like painful sex. And painful sex is really hard to deal with. It was hard on my relationship. It was hard on me. And it brought up a lot of feelings of my worth and my value. And even after excision, I no longer have painful sex. But now I have new problems when it comes to sex because sex is a histamine trigger. And if I have sex, then my body gets very stimulated. And what I mean is that later I have insomnia, I have hives, I have a racing heart. And so still, it is really, really hard for me to be intimate with my partner. Like the situation changed. Sex no longer brings 24 hours of throbbing, raging cramps, which is wonderful. But then sex gives me a whole night of not being able to sleep and being itchy and my heart racing out of my chest. And then the next day being exhausted because I didn't sleep all night, literally because sex gave me insomnia, which may sound a little bit like I'm making that up. But as we know, the body is complex and histamine problems are <laughs> really, really weird. Ridiculous. <laughs> but are, it's true. They are ridiculous. Anything that can be stimulating can raise the histamine. And so I'm working towards finding peace with this situation. I was working towards finding peace with painful sex before excision. And now I'm working towards finding peace with histamine sex after excision. It used to hurt me so deeply that something that I wanted to share with my partner couldn't be done, like that I couldn't have sex. And that made me feel so sad. And now I feel a lot more neutral towards it. It went from a 10 of sadness to like a 2 or a 3. Will it ever get to a 0? Will I ever have full peace and full neutrality? I don't know. But I'm working towards it. But the act of finding peace has already turned down that volume knob of how much it hurts me. It's already changed the way that I feel when I think about how I'm not able to have sex. And changing the way that I feel has helped me be able to talk about it better with my partner to look for solutions. So working towards peace, although I'm not there yet, and I may never get there, has had so many benefits already. I'm pressuring myself less. I'm feeling less sad about it. And I can access this calmer state when I think about sex so that I can actually have a conversation with my partner without bursting into tears or throwing something from how infuriated that I feel. 
And that's been really helpful to be in a place of peace and calm. Let's me look for solutions. Let's me research. Because when I was so sad about it that I was laying on my floor sobbing, which is perfectly valid because it's really devastating to continue for years to have all these problems with just trying to be intimate with the person that you love. But being in that heightened emotional state as opposed to a state of peace When my misery and sadness with the situation was at a 10, I wasn't able to take the steps that I wanted to take. And now that I can process, I've processed those feelings, I've shifted towards acceptance, although I'm not there yet, my life has improved. My relationship has improved. My ability to search for solutions has improved. And I feel more empowered and I feel more joy. And I feel more free than I felt when those 10 out of 10 feelings had that control and that power over me. I think any practice where we can go from being shattered emotionally to not being shattered emotionally is something that we all probably want to experience. I think there's so much fear and sorrow around the experiences that we have that truly rip us apart. And that's perfectly valid. And those feelings are messy and they're strong. And practicing how to turn the dial down is not perfect. There's no one way to do it. It's a struggle. It takes work and it takes courage. And if that's something that you're looking to embark on, then you are courageous. And if it's not something you can right now, that doesn't mean you're less courageous. It also takes courage to be where you are and know that this is not for you right now. So everybody listening, you have courage in your own way. Moving towards living a life where peace and acceptance is at the forefront or is a goal that we have is a really big shift. I think for many of us, and I can speak from personal experience, I was living with my anxiety and fear at the forefront. I was scared of everything I ate, every step I took. Anything that I did that would give me cramps or would give me an anxiety attack, I was living in so much fear and so much apprehension from all of those experiences. And I'm just slowly shifting my gaze to live more with peace and acceptance at the forefront. It doesn't make anxiety or panic attacks less scary or flares less scary or cramps less intense, but it just means that I'm not living in this fight or flight mode constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's been a huge huge sigh of relief for me that I didn't even know I was holding my breath for so long. When we start these practices, that shift starts to happen and we don't even notice at first. Practicing mindfulness or gratitude or meditation or deep breathing, anything that feels comfortable for us, all of those things set us up for the slow shift. And after time, that slow shift becomes a practice and that practice becomes something that's our new normal. And I think one of the coolest things about shifting to have peace and acceptance at our forefront is that it also shapes our new experiences. Right now, we're talking about what we already live with, but there are things that will happen in our lives that we can't even anticipate. And I know as somebody with anxiety, when new things happen, that spiral was so extreme that I didn't think that I was going to be able to hold on. But now that I have these tools and I have a different ideology at my forefront, tackling new obstacles becomes so much easier and not easier emotionally. Things still hurt. Things are still hard. 
but I don't lose myself in the process anymore. I used to face things with a mindset of, I'm never going to make it through this. This is impossible. It's just not going to happen. This is the end. This is it for me. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. To now, when things happen and when obstacles come up, because they invariably do, I can now face them with, all right, I can figure this out. I can figure out how to fix the situation or improve the situation, or I can sit with these feelings and it's okay, they won't overtake me. I can process them and I can move to the next thing. And before it felt like I was just drowning in the sea, and now I feel like I'm at the shore and sometimes I get into the ocean, but I don't have to. And I feel safe and I feel like I have more control over how I feel and how things affect me than I ever thought was even possible before. So while Amy and I are both constantly on a journey of finding peace, I think that that's a wonderful thing. I don't think the goal is to completely, as Amy said before, have it be in past tense, found. I don't think it's about being done with finding peace because all of those things improve and grow as we do. And things that I can't find peace with now, I may be able to find peace with later. And things that I think I may have found peace with may rear their heads later and I have to practice it again. So it's all about the slow journey towards the end goal, which is an active finding. The goal is finding peace with our anxiety, our endo flares, our painful sex, our bowel movements, our IBS, our IC finding peace with these things. And that looks different for all of us. And that's why it's so wonderful to have such a community with all of you, because I think we're all together working towards finding peace with what we're experiencing. So if that sounds like something you may want to be on the path towards or are already on the path towards, that's why we want to talk about Amy's book, Finding Peace with a Devastating Disease. Because everything we've talked about is in this book. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about it with you. Because all of the tenets of acceptance and neutrality are things that Amy has spent so long working on. And being able to share that with you is so important for her. One of my favorite aspects of the book are self-reflections that she has after each piece. The self-reflections are a really easy way to get started on understanding this journey and this path. They're small, non-judgmental, no-pressure, no-shame questions that help you to process how you may feel towards the writing that you just read. Things like really devastating experiences or emotions that may be similar or other things you may relate to that may bring up feelings in yourself from her writings. You can process these through the self-reflections, and it can help lead you towards finding something, a practice, a new way to see the world, a new way to see yourself. And I think that's so valuable and engaging, allowing ourselves to process and understand and write through and read through and speak through our feelings is a luxury we're not often afforded, and I think it's so important. So. If this sounds interesting to you and you're looking for that step, then I definitely recommend reading Amy's book. Everything that we just talked about today is within the book, explored in the book. My book is not a memoir. It is not a novel. What it is, 
is my reflections on about 75 topics around chronic illness. And so in the book, I go from exploring topics like what is acceptance and what is peace to how can we find joy in our life? What does joy in our lives even mean? To when was the first time that I had endometriosis symptoms that I could pinpoint? When was the first time that I contemplated that my illness might be chronic? Some of the reflections that I love most are the ones where I explore these ideas of, am I a burden? Can I love my body? Can I let go of social stigma and shame around my illness? And so there are different topics in the book that I explore. And having written them and explored them, oh my gosh, it really exponentially helped me in this process of finding peace. And so then I went and related to the topic that I talked about. I set up self-reflection questions to help the reader explore that topic and write a reflection for themselves. You know, I think just reading the book on its own can be very helpful and can help you feel less alone and understood in what you're feeling and help you make sense and say, oh my gosh, wow, I was feeling that. Like she's put that into words of what I was feeling. But I think taking it the step further and go ahead and participating and engaging with the book and doing the self-reflection topics can be really transformative in your life because it'll let the reader make sense of all their thoughts and really think and reflect and go deeply into themselves. And I think that is so powerful. Okay, Amy, you've convinced us we want this beautiful book. Where do we get it? Oh my God, I've convinced you? Wow, I didn't realize how persuasive I am. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm in this box with you, aren't I? <laughs> I've put the name of my book, which is Finding Peace with a Devastating Disease, in the episode description. So if you're interested in purchasing it online, you should be able to see the book name right below in the description in your podcast app. And additionally, there is a link in my bio on Instagram. So the book is available for purchase on various ebook stores like Apple, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and other bookstores worldwide. And then the paperback version is available in select regions on Amazon, such as the U.S., U.K., Canada, and other regions in Europe. That's wonderful. All of our non-U.S.-based listeners can get the book, too, if they'd like. Of course, Brittany, everyone is important. I didn't say that they weren't. Well, it kind of sounded like. Projecting. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to read a preview of the book, you can find it on Amazon in the Look Inside, or you can go to our website in 16years.com book. And then I've embedded a preview of the book there. I would be honored if any of you read the book. I poured my heart into this book. I worked on this book for two years in every second of free time that I had. And I would be so moved if this book helped just one person feel less alone helped one person take a step towards finding acceptance or even help them feel inspired to think that acceptance is a possibility for them. Before I met Brittany and before I was diagnosed with endometriosis, before I found this community, for 16 years, I had no idea what was wrong with me and I was so alone. I was alone with my symptoms and my pain and I had no support, and my self-talk ate me alive. 
I don't want anyone to be at war with their body and with their life for as long as I was. 16 years, it is such a long time to be fighting against my life. Through writing this book, it's really helped me in finding peace. And my hope is that through reading the book and engaging in the self-reflection, it can help the reader in finding peace as well. I just want to say that I am so proud of Amy for publishing this book. It's been two long years of a lot of ups and downs and a lot of self-doubt and refinding your confidence with yourself. Trying to write while still experiencing pain and through anaphylactic shock from your newfound histamine. Well, I want to be clear, I wasn't like typing at the computer when I was in <laughs> anaphylactic shock. But writing around I was like it. on my way to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Writing around it. Writing yeah. around those experiences. Writing around the DOS, the daily onslaught of <laughs> symptoms. Writing around and, the migraines and the racing heart. And the job that yes. pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and fine. the podcast. Fine. And the cat. Okay, 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 okay. And the preparing my food and taking yes, care of it's myself. It's a miracle she wrote it at all. <laughs> it no. is. Oh my God. It is. It is like when I saw the book on Amazon. Me and Brittany were together and we looked together and I was it's just real. sobbing and Brittany was also crying. I was like, oh my God, you're so moved. You're crying too. Thank you, Brittany. You're such a support. There's a lot friend. of work to support you. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. Me too. No ITs, but no more it's, book writing. Really, it's really amazing to accomplish something like that. And I think for me, what makes it the most amazing is your intention. Amy started this podcast with the desire to reach at least one person and help them to feel less alone. And her goal with the book is the same, to help others on their own journey of finding peace with endometriosis. I would love to reach just one person, 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. A million Whoa. people. Oh my. The entire planet. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> they just broadcast the audiobook version like from a loudspeaker in a satellite. That's very strange. <laughs> As it but... hovers around the different nations. I support <laughs> your dreams, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, Brittany, you know, yes, it's ambitious, but with the book, I am not going for a B. As I said, I was a B student in life. I am going for the A. Okay. Okay. I'm, I am going for the Nobel Peace Prize. You get it? The Nobel Finding Peace Prize. <laughs> Ugh, worst pun. I'm going for the most perfect book in the world, read via satellite. Oh, no. <laughs> in a thousand different languages. Oh, oh my God. I've become, you're going to translate yourself. <laughs> I've become Brittany of the past. Yeah, don't be Brittany of the past. goal-oriented work Don't do that. You're going to really regret it. You will be mega stressed. Do not do that to yourself. Be current, Brittany. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, the goal with this book is to reach as many people as I can, because I know that finding peace is so difficult. Finding peace with endometriosis is so difficult. It is a devastating disease. But I really, truly believe that we don't want to be at war with endometriosis. We don't want to be at war with our bodies. We don't want to be at war with our lives. But how do we start? How do we start finding peace? How do we even believe it's possible? So if you do end up reading the book, thank you so much for reading it. And also just thank you for listening to us chat. Well, I know you're really listening for me, not Brittany, but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I know you're Let's here. Let's let her think that. I know she you're needs here it. for Brittany and not me. It's fine. <laughs> it's not 
Nobody said that. Why not both? <laughs> I, I know you love us both. But no, but seriously, thank you so much for listening to us week after week as we talk about all these topics related to endometriosis, as we talk about mindset and joy and meaning and happiness and empowerment and, of course, facts and treatment around this disease. We love talking to you, and we also love when you reach out to us. So please definitely never feel shy if you'd like to reach out to us. All I want to say is, through this whole process these past few years, we've learned so much from you, and our sole purpose is that we hope that we've helped you in some even small way. And so if we have, thank you for being here. And if you want a little bit more, the book could be that little next step to push you in the right direction. And so I highly encourage it for that reason. There's so much in there to unpack. There's so many feelings and experiences that we all have that we're carrying around with us. And we would so love if we can be a part of laying those heavy burdens down and learning to be freer from them. So the book is called Finding Peace with a Devastating Disease, Reflections on Endometriosis. The topics include things like acceptance, feeling our feelings fully, gratitude, identity, self-love, meaning, reframing the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we think about ourselves, self-compassion, and strength. Amy's writing honestly is beautiful. And it moves me to tears, no matter how many times I read certain passages. And I just want to share a few of my favorite writings, just so you can understand the names and the topics and how beautiful her writing is in the style. So some of my favorite titles are The Mighty Oak Inside of Us, Untangling Myself from My Thoughts, I See You Suffering, Living Under a Broken Sky, What Is Life Asking of Me? The Wisdom of a Butterfly, and A Lifeboat in a Storm of Emotions. To hear those titles come out of your mouth, Brittany, with your beautiful <laughs> inflection and intonation, I just feel so moved to tears, and I'm not just saying that because you're my best friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone listening for today and just for letting us talk about my new book and for letting us reflect on peace and acceptance and what it means to us. So reach out to us. Let us know. Are you finding peace with endometriosis? Or are you having a party about accepting that you are not accepting peace at this time? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. 